Welcome to COVID Calls. This is an ongoing discussion of the COVID pandemic with a wide variety of disaster experts. My name is Scott Gabriel Knowles. I'm a professor in the Graduate School of Science and Technology Policy at the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology. And I'm coming to you live today from Daejeon, South Korea. Today is April 5th, 2022, where I am in South Korea, and it's still April 4th, 2022, where my guest, Gonzalo Basagalupe, is located. And let me just introduce him. He is no stranger to COVID calls, and um, we're entering a new phase of COVID calls with this episode as we go into the 501st episode. And he's, I'm really thrilled that he's the first guest in this new chapter of this Project Gonzalo is a professor of counseling psychology in the School of Education and Human Development at the University of Massachusetts, Boston, and a research associate of CREASUR Universidad de Concepcion. He's also a board director of Family Process Institute and was president elect of the Society for Couple and Family Psychology. As a researcher and disaster resilience activist, he's been actively engaged in the COVID 19 pandemic as part of an emerging grassroots network of public health professionals, social scientists, and experts mobilizing to change the COVID-19 strategy to prevent contagion in Chile. And let me bring him into the conversation. Gonzalo, it's so good to see you. How are you doing? How are you doing? I was going to ask you, how are you doing? How am I, <laughs> how am I doing? We're going to spend the whole hours talking about how we are doing. Um, it's... It's it's strange because um, everybody's speaking about post-pandemic here. That's the language, even though you know we we're still having um, you know a quite high amount of death every day, and and that's sort sort of like a somber piece. But actually, I would say everybody around it's sort of like going normal, even though you know, we go into scares of having to have antigens and test ourselves. Um, I think I got influenza a few weeks ago, the whole family here got it. Mm. So it's it's been um, what the pandemic's been about. You know, it's sort of like you think things go in a certain direction. You know, my last column uh, two weeks ago, or maybe less than two weeks ago, that was published here, it talks about the the virus has not, Receive the memorandum that the pandemic has ended. That's the title of the, of the call. And, um, yeah. and it's just, uh, but, you know, we insist that things are, that we know what's happening. And, and as a colleague of mine, an immunologist says, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We really, you know, it's, it's very hard to predict. Um, and, and, you know, we, what, what things have happened this, you know, three week, a little bit over three weeks ago, was we had a change of government mm-hmm. from a sort of neoliberal right wing. Are you in Santiago right now? I'm in Santiago right now, right? Yeah. And we have this new government, which is very young, the youngest president we ever had. Yeah. Um, thirty. He's just thirty six years old. Boric. Yeah, and he's now visiting Argentina, and the VP is thirty five years old. So he, she was the president of the medical association that was pretty much involved in um, during the pandemic. So it's very interesting, but at the same time, nothing has changed. They, they say that they're gonna be announcements, but really not much has changed. It's this continuity of the program. And the program is to vaccinate. We are, the, you know, as you know, together with Cuba, 
uh, we are the country with the highest vaccination. Well, in Latin America and in the world, basically, you know, we, we've been vaccinated a lot, but, you know, we vaccinated at the beginning with Sinovac, Coronavac, mm-hmm. with the, um, the deactivated virus and now, but really re- realized that it wasn't very helpful with Omicron and before. And so we are now people vaccinating with, you know, the Pfizer and Moderna and all those other vaccines. Um, people are doing a whole second course of vaccination at this point. Well, at this point, everybody's, well, that's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of people who have not vaccinated, close to a million who are not vaccinated with, with a, um, an ARNM, you know, messenger vaccine, um, like Pfizer. Um, and so they're basically, you know, they, they, they more than six months since they vaccinated with Sinovac. They're, they're not really protected with Omicron. Mm. But there's a lot of other people like myself who we already have the fourth vaccine plus influenza shots, plus, you know, so, but, you know, there's high levels of vaccination, but also, you know, there's this, still the lack of understanding that it does not prevent contagion so yeah um, i think that's i'm in you know i'm in south korea and and we're coming through the period of time here that would have been on i think unimaginable to lots of people um even six months ago because <clears throat> you know things were so managed so well here from the beginning right, right. and they they turned you know track and trace into uh, uh, sort of a an art art form. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, yeah. and yeah, there's none of that. There's no truck and nothing. There's none. And, well, it's easy to get used to. I mean, you know, unless yeah. you're a person who's temperamentally thinks the government is trying to put a microchip yeah. in your head. Other, otherwise, I think you're you would see almost immediately the impact of it with the data flow that gives you useful daily information. Yeah, and that's all fine and good. And 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 Korea was slow to vaccinate for for complicated reasons, but they couldn't get supply, but, but they did. And they got, you know, up to 86, 87% by the fall. And then Omicron came. And as you said, I mean, you can be vaccinated, but it's not going to stop the transmission. And at the, at just the moment when Omicron was, was breaking, the government made the decision that it was time to live with Corona. And so they started relaxing gatherings. They started allowing, you know, socializing. And here people follow. I mean, this doesn't make sense to listeners in the United States. But if the government here says, don't gather in a group more than eight, right. people don't they do don't. it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and so if you go from a gathering of zero to a gathering of four and eight, it right. makes a difference. You see right. the, the curve. And then January came and the cases just went up and up and up and it was a real that curve started to get very steep and the death rate they surpassed their death rate for the entire pandemic within i don't want to speak out of turn here but within a short period of time like 30 to 45 days but it never overwhelmed the hospital system and we're coming down the other side of omicron now with that 87 percent vaccination rate that's that's the nature of things here so it's probably going to be um you know, a situation where if they need people still mask indoors and outdoors. So it's going to be a slow transmission rate once we're out of Omicron, as slow as anywhere in the world. One thing I want to ask you about, you know, something you were mentioning a moment ago about vaccination. I haven't seen them budge that number 
you know, once they've gotten up to around 87%, they have not, you know, gone further than that. And I, I, it would be hard to go further than that, but still you want to. I mean, you want to get into the 90, 95% range. Right. It depends. The problem is what is it that you define as that? Because right now they talk about 91%. But what is it that you're saying that the 91% is? Because it might be that that 91% includes people who had two vaccines. And they've been more, and because we started vaccinating very early on, I mean, we started vaccinating, you know, a month after this, these rallies, I mean, I mean, you know, in February of last year. So uh, we've been vaccinated for more than a year. We began massive, um, so to speak. I mean, most of all people vaccinated February, March of 2021, a year ago. So those folks have had to have to be to be right now safe. They need four vaccines. They need four shots. Otherwise, they're not protected. And so the problem is that when you count that you've got a, two shots, you've got a two shots of cinema because it was most of what it was used. Um, different decision that Uruguay had, which they decided to go with the uh, Pfizer and others. Um, the the active you know the non the 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 the, uh, the piece of AD, you know the the messenger uh, vaccine um, with the older people here we didn't so in a way in a way this is the the strategy um, we we are a country that when the government says vaccinate people vaccinate now the thing is some of the decisions were too rush and I think that that created a lot of a whole uh, set of anti-vaccine sentiment. So you find, and I think social media is not necessarily represented where the, the people are, but there's a lot of anti-vaccine sentiment that was not present in Chile before the pandemic. This is going to have consequences for the long term because I think that we didn't have that. We were really a public health example in Chile around vaccines. Mm. And on the other hand, I think that you're, we are not necessarily reaching the typical thing. We're not reaching those who may be in rural areas, people who don't have the time, um, whatever. So, so there is, like you said, I mean, a huge amount of people that are not protected um, really with the newer vaccines on the one hand. And then on the other one is I think that there's a lot of people who basically take too many risks because they think that they're vaccinated and they're ready. A little bit of what happens in the United States. Subway is interesting. We have similar numbers to the United States. I mean, numbers in the U.S. are actually worse as an average. Um, but we, you know, somehow we should not have been in that close to the yeah. U.S. We should have been able to do it differently. So, um, yeah, the, for me, the, the big, 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 big problem is that everything is here was on the vaccine and then what happens is that then you get now you got you know um what exactly the numbers right now but around 50 percent close to 50 percent of the death of the pandemic happened in the last few months between right. january and march and so then people who are anti-vaccine say well you see you vaccinated and still people are dying so you get this, this sentiment yeah. that that logic that is, you know, so, you know, it's the usual logic that is so hard to fight with. So um, and now there's, the other thing is here, still this masking outside, 
you know, and I take the mask outside when I'm, there's no people around. And because I was in Boston, that was the way it was. And I, you know, so there's the whole now thing is how you're going to, people have masks inside. And, and the thing is, this is, this chill is a very neoliberal sentiment in some way. And people think, well, you have to be in charge of your mask rather than making it into a public decision, mm-hmm. making masks available everywhere. Like in the U.S. where basically masks are available everywhere. And also making certified in good masks, you know, uh, available for, you know, and also we went here, we went back to schools, kids went back to school with no transition nationally. Um, So there's been a lot of outbreaks in schools and confusion because there's no tracking. So I think, yes, we did very well with vaccination. I think even, even if we don't, as you know, you cannot vaccinate everybody anyway. But I think that if we have done a little bit more around prevention, we would have been in such a much better place right now. I, I think, and I think that will be as we do the sort of comparative studies over time. You know, as you know, I mean, this this is a yeah. very strange disaster in so many ways. But the fact that it has been truly synchronous globally means we're going to have the rest of our careers to try to figure out (laughs) what's going on. But as you said, I mean, we have a lot of countries. I think Chile and the United States very much in the same boat. The the rush was to the techno fix. Yeah, the technocratic. So um, let's get to to the vaccine. The vaccine will be the uh, deus ex machina and everything will be fine once we get to that. In Korea, it was, um, they would have liked to rush to the vaccine, but they, they bet early um, on, um, you know, uh, they supply. Yeah, on supply, and it didn't it didn't materialize, and so, um, so, but they used the non pharmaceutical interventions, and I suppose that you know we would be looking for countries that that did both simultaneously and effectively, um, and that's going to be or places that just shut down entirely. I mean, closed their borders entirely. You know, the Australian or New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. still boggles my mind how many different approaches right. um, and how complicated and how noisy the data still is to be able to work upward from those approaches and actually look at a population level what right. happened. Right. Um, and even within the U.S., and I don't know if this breaks down like this within Chile. You were talking about the urban-rural divide, but the experience of the pandemic in Massachusetts or Vermont is different from, yeah. And I mean, people were still talking, you know, recently, I know um, you keep up with American politics very closely, North American politics very closely that, um, you know, Ron DeSantis wants to run for president and he's governor of Florida. And and there's this he's been pushing this idea that Florida was open and Florida's numbers are as good as California. It's like, you know what, if I know Americans are like a little bit illiterate, they're a little bit enumerate. But if you just dive into the data one layer. Yeah, right. Experience of the pandemic in Texas and Florida is quite different than the experience yeah. of the pandemic right. in California. Right, right. I mean, Florida did worse. I mean, it's it's it's, it's awful. Terrible. I mean, and, Terrible. You know, one of the things that you know, what it's it's interesting because there's this whole thing. I mean, you were saying that we had a whole career study this, but beyond the epi of the pandemic, I think that where where we are in terms of a post pandemic is some of the social mores. I mean, the violence that has emerged here. And elsewhere, you know, in the U.S., there's a lot of, I mean, the violence in schools, the 
the general sense of obnoxiousness, the, the discourse, so like everybody's on, you know, do, doing har, higher revolution in their minds. It's like you, people driving their cars are like in 3,000 rather than the usual 1,000, 1,500 kind of thing. So the, in a way, I think that we are in that sense living a very treacherous moment in which people are um, very anxious. And in terms of post-pandemic, you know, there's a lot of trauma around. Um, I think that, you know, our world in different ways, of course, obviously the, the most vulnerable have the world upside down too. But I think that for those, and I would qualify both of us as more privileged, even the more privileged and, and, you know, some folks who might have had a regularity to their lives, the whole thing went upside down. Um, because of the virus itself, because they got sick, because some people died, but also because of the economics. Um, and, you know, when I, 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 I'm thinking, what is this is going to do to families in terms of thinking about what it was to live through this period, you know, what it was to bury people, what it was to, um, to lose jobs, to, to lose projects, to, and also, and this is what I see among my colleagues and again, I think the more privilege is this existential angst. Yeah. <laughs> the, am I doing the right thing? Am I, you know, am I contributing? Am I, is this the kind of life I want to live? Is this, and, and, and I think that that has become much more prevalent than it might have been maybe a year and a year and a half ago where we were thinking maybe, and, you know, I was one of those, um, that I always saw the glass half full rather than half, you know, half, you know, very much empty. And was that I, you know, we had this conversation when our first COVID calls, when people ask, well, do you think that people are going to get better? The world is going to be better. And I said, probably not. Probably it's going to be worse. And we're going to go back to more. And I'm thinking, for instance, in terms of car consumption, people buying new cars and people driving everywhere and, even individualizing more and more. I don't know if that's what yeah. you're experiencing there, but the the sense of we were not protected by our common ground. We're not protected by our governments. We're not taken care of. So now, you know, I have to take care of myself and my family, period. And you, every time I enter a conversation and I say, well, you know, for instance, when I say health should not be for profit, people kind of like, Go bizarre. I mean, it's like, well, if I have more community and can to try to solve problems, I've become more isolated. Yeah. And I don't want to be. Right. But as you said, it's like, well, I can take care of my family and take care of my, you know, close community. Right. I'll try to move my work into a venue. I can still do my work, even though it's me alone most of the time. In the end, it, even I have been forced into more individualistic modes. And I don't think that's that is not the way out of this. Right. That's not the way we're going to prepare for the next one. Right, right, right. You know, it's interesting. I was, you know, as we were going to be talking about and the art that you're going to be displaying in the in the website, um, you know, I was thinking, okay, so how do I see the progression of this art and, and, and what, what has been happening? And, you know, I... You know, I surround here myself with a couple of pieces that are in those photos, uh, but these are the large pieces in the back. And 
you know, there, and I and I thought, okay, so there's three stages to this. Um, before the pandemic, um, and it's still at the beginning of it, when even though we knew that this was going to be long, but we have the fantasy that somehow we'll get back to quote some normal six months or a year after. I was embarked in this project, um, these paintings that I call uncertain cartographies. And uncertain cartography was basically a, 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 like a dozen large, fair large, I mean, this size, you have them here in the back. Um, details of those are in the website, but, and these were, you know, these paintings um, intended to, and I call them uncertain, geographies intend to reflect sort of like the world from the air, you know, very distant. It's sort of like it's, it's, it's an abstract painting. This case is an abstract painting that reflects um, the, you know, the connection between water and the earth and the ocean and the, 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 the impact that natural threats might have. And, you know, the importance of the interaction, for instance, between, um, meadow and, 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 a, and a beach for the healthiness of that environment and how that is invaded by human, by, 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 by um, buildings and stuff. So this one was, is really a, a piece that it also its materiality reflects that because it has that scratchy kind of feeling. It's, it's, it has also some, some texture to it and it intends to reflect that. So, and, <laughs> you know, one of the things I did before the pandemic was a lot of work um, using drones to create cartographies with communities. And so this painting reflects all that those influences. And that's what I was working on. And yeah. the, the one here also, that one. So this one here, I finished it probably before the pandemic. It was, you know, it's, and it's kind of clean if you see it. And then the next one, which has similar colors, similar materiality, but it also has, and it's also the photos, has breakages. You know, it's a, it's a technique where you break the painting after it has been painted, and then you paint it again. And it, mm. it, it, it has that sense of the, that, you know, when there's droughts and, you know, mm. the, the thing, the materiality breaks, and it reflects that kind of thing. It also reflects the natural back and forth of waves, that, that kind of feeling. So I was working on this because, and these are, they intend to represent, you know, the, the, this, these things and how the climate crisis involves and all that stuff. And then, you know, um, the second stage was when we went into what you were referring to before this, the quarantines and, and, the quarantine zone, that's what I call the quarantine series. And I painted a lot um, during that period, I think, when finally, you know, we were at home and things sort of like slowed down, even though I was working really hard. But, um, you know, I, in some way, that those paintings, which are in, in a lot in that, um, in the, um, in, in the, um, in the site, I mean, all of these, there are like a hundred of them. Yeah. They are, they are, you know, small and reflect that I was lacking. I didn't have enough materials, but I have kept <laughs> some, some postcards that 
that I had bought in um, in Japan a couple of years before during a and, you know the, the, these are these are cars that are used for calligraphy, but they're very nice. They're very thick. They're great mm -hmm. for experimenting with different kinds of wetty materials. And so <coughs> I had kept them for a special occasion. <laughs> so those things was, uh, oh, you know, <laughs> and, you know, then, you know, so um, they, and in some way they intend to represent, I guess, the virus in some way, the body again, you know, I paint, besides painting, abstract notions of the our territories i also paint this is how i started painting several years ago i intend to represent the body and so the remember at the beginning there was this whole idea of what's the boat we, we didn't even have that now we associate with that circle with these things the spikes as the virus but i was trying to represent it in fact you know one of those paintings was used for a report on, um, I have it somewhere here, for a report on Latino health and um, and COVID uh, in Massachusetts. And and I think that, you know, this, these were the, some of the paintings that were used for that book. And, you know, in a way, they're sort of like, um, again, they're in the photos there, they intend to capture that you know, what is the virus about? And um, yeah. I had a lot of fun with these paintings and they were first in a box. Now I put them in a little albums and stuff. Well, um, let, me, let me just quickly show people how to find this. And um, yeah. the, the digital archive is, is launched. So you can go to um, covidcalls.net or you can go to covidcalls.com, either one, and, and you'll find it. And people might not know, but... Um, now, the whole look of COVID calls, the logo um, that we adopted in 2020 was your was one of these these paintings. Yeah. So when you go to the yeah. site and you go into this section of works yeah. and and so here you find so that one is the one that is that's one of those that's details So that one here and the other one is the follows is that one there. Yeah. yeah. So under the, the top is the one that you're talking about. Yeah, that we use for the. And I don't know. If, I don't know if you remember this, but the first time we met actually was in the um, the faculty dining. I don't even know what the name of it is, but it's in one of the most extraordinary buildings. This like copper. Yeah, building yeah. At the Innovation Center the campus in, there. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's a shrine to copper, and it has this beautiful. <laughs> restaurant yeah, yeah. inside and i yeah. walked through the restaurant and and it, as on the way in there's these remarkable paintings full of color and and dynam dynamism and some i mean they were really evocative of disaster but of course the, i start to feel as a disaster researcher i'm like oh i see disaster everywhere like i should stop <laughs> that and then i met you and, and so you're a disaster researcher you're like yeah oh, i did these paintings and these are you know <laughs> these are these are volcanic. These are seismic. You know, these are you, know, you working through yeah. that just as you were describing your as you were earlier talking about climate yeah. change and the way you are rendering climate yeah. change on the canvas or the way that you bring the paint forward and then crack it and then move over it. Yeah. And so I was right that you, you were. <laughs> you were right. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> and, and of course, ever since then, I've just have been lucky to continue to know you but i you know the, 
as as the pandemic started, I immediately thought, even before I knew you were making these, I was like, I know Gonzalo's up to something. <laughs> and I'm yeah. So so this yeah. one I call it the quarantine series, and I did a lot of them, and I put them in Instagram. People reacted to them, and um, and it's interesting because this is that one that when they're showing that well, one would, is. Would you yeah. like me to start at the beginning of the series and work sure. through? Or how yeah, would you go like? Ahead. We don't have yes, to talk I was about giving it. you the and then the last one, you know, the, so so that's the quarantine series. And then the last one, which I finished painting in 2021, we can talk about that at the end, and it's the one the the, the one that you have a lot of details at different moments of the painting that I had an ex and you know um, an installation in Boston last fall, and it's called the Ocean of Data, which it gets back to the epi, but it gets back to the story. So yeah, let's let's start from the beginning. Okay, let's start here. And if you're um, for those who are listening. Uh, instead of viewing this live, you can just go to um, covid-calls.com or covidcalls.net, click on works, and you will find this entire series, this yeah, quarantine series. Um, so this is the opening of this of this series. I mean, yeah. I've never been to, I've never hosted an art opening before, but here we are, and I'm just right. delighted. Yeah. So yeah. talk to us about this one. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so this one is the one that I was actually showing you earlier. Right. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's really, um, a territory. So if you were to think of, um, this in the coast of Chile, the, you know, the Pacific, you know, what you see at the top there is the ocean. Um, so you think it, if you think it from the top, as if you were looking at a map. So this is a map. Uh, it's a form of cartography. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Batesonian fan. You know, I learned about systemic thinking through Bateson early on when I was a psychology student. And then I studied with Umberto Maturana, who, you know, followed his tradition. And so I'm very influenced by this notion that the map is not a territory. And, um, and, and this is it. This is my map of that territory uh, in an abstract way. And so um, then at so like the green space on the left is really a, a, a meadow. It's, it's a, with this a lot, you know, it's where the water, salty water intersects with the fresh water that comes from where there's a lot of life and there is a lot of danger. But it's also one of those that for those, for my colleagues who are, it's something I learned, working with them, it's, it's a very, besides being a rich, uh, natural environment and ecology, it's, it's one of the best ways to actually mitigate the force of a tsunami because these, 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 um, meadows, these things, um, um, humedales, as they're called in Spanish, um, they really help mitigate the force and, you know, they, the 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 space for 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 the water that comes from the ocean to absorb the force of, so that it doesn't impact the rest of uh, of the coast and they're in danger so it, it intends to represent that and then you know that I I I love blue and that blue at the center is sort of like a volcanic <laughs> influence I guess because it it. It could be a volcano from also from the top. You see, there's a form that creates. So um, it's abstract. So in some way, um, 
it, it intends to reflect the force of nature. The the black, um, you know, the the, the so like, um, yeah, um, it's not black. It's gray and gold. Um, it it's, it's I would say that that's where humans influences. I mean, it's so like the devastation. It intends to reflect that. Um, of course, human activity can be positive. It's it's not. You know, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be always negative. But in the context of this kind of environment, the fact is, I wish we could just let it be alone, you know. I wish we didn't cons- build next to these areas. I, I wish people didn't build next to the ocean or large bodies of water because it's it's probably one of the... All it ensures is disaster, you know, and droughts and stuff like that. So that's what that painting is about. And, and um, yeah... And there, all those, that one too, that one is, that one is, is another painting and um, it's similar. Um, I usually paint, sometimes have two or three paintings that I'm doing at the same time. Painting for me is like writing, although to say it's in, in the sense that you edit a lot, that the editing, it's, you do a lot of editing and that that's central and um in that sense it's very similar it's for me it's easier to start a painting i feel more free to start with writing it's harder for me to start um also difficult to edit but um now what again as you can see also in this painting and in several of the others um there is a flow there is a flow uh, there is a so like a sense of circularity to 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 these paintings as if you if you uh, it's hard to do in the computer but if you see the painting for a while you see that the, the it, they're they're not horizontal lines or vertical vertical lines or horizontal lines that define the painting but they're more circular and nature is more circular than straight um so that's that's what is there yeah okay I'm gonna just keep um, going yeah. in a few things there. Yeah, that's another detail. That's a detail from the one that I was seeing. Mm-hmm. It's interesting here. You see that that you see that line there. It that 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 line at the bottom. You see these these things. And yeah. um, now that I see it here, it's easier to see in the photo than it is to see it in the painting. Actually, you have to concentrate to see it. That's that's interesting. It's the only place where there's a straight line and it's it's graphite and uh and it's there and it's not there and i i see that as human activity it was i was mm. referring to earlier yeah and so yeah it brings this cartesian uh element into yeah. it that's not yeah. uh in the, yeah. yeah in the other ones i just want to put a a pin in this because we're going to come as we go through other ones when when i yeah. Look at. I wish I'd been. I wish I had done better over time taking notes of of how I feel when I interact with artwork before the pandemic. You know, lots of things. I feel like I'm. I've lost a, elements of my memory almost before the pandemic. But <laughs> I trauma, man. <laughs> I see things, and I. The first time I saw some of these paintings when you shared them with me as the cards, I saw lungs. I saw. Alveoli. I saw breathing. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, 
and leaf work. I mean, I, I basically yeah. I saw very organic, right? Sort of um, branching, you know, circulatory, right? Looking things, but I immediately thought of lungs. And when I look at this again, I haven't seen that in this one before. But I that's I know that's you're describing a beach from a from, and you're describing yeah. an interplay between human and and natural as seen from above. But I still see lungs. Yeah. Well. It, 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 again, I, 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 I advance you this idea that I, that I start painting, painting, and I have a painting of a lung, and it's similar. And, and, and in that one, there is the straight line too, because it's, it reflects the way we tend to represent lungs. Um, but, but you're right about this. There's this thing about the breathing. Um, yeah, this one was interesting, but you know, it's, you, I'm going to go back to Bateson systems. Um, the nice thing about general you know, system theory and, and systemic thinking and ecosystemic thinking is that it, where there's life, that's, you can understand the, inter, the, the interconnectedness. And so you see a lung, you know, the ocean is sort of like a lung in some ways. Mm-hmm. It is it's a breathing system. I hope it's clearer now as we think about the climate crisis. So this one is, the one I was earlier showing you here, right. and this one, if you see at the at the top of, so this one is much more, it's, it reflects much more turmoil. It's it's much more this is stormy, I guess, if you want to put it that way. But it also it it intervenes the the painting with this break breakage, you know, there at the top right there and um it is actual painting that is breaking well it's not it's not falling apart but it's really it's a it's breaking it's a technique where you break it and there are different places where that is happening and in some places it's actually it cannot be seen in the photo um it is quite you know um beautiful because it, it almost looks like a you know the skin of a, an amphibious animal. You know mm. that has that that sort of like uh, thing that um, shows uh, um, this venous piece. It's sort of like a you know like 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 leather when it breaks. Um, so I think that this one, it's it's I would say. Um, Stormy one, a more destructive one. It reflects more the uncertainty too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was earlier telling you about this editing, and that I forgot to finish the idea with that. Is that when, like, when we write, at some point we have to finish it. And so, in the same way that for me, because it doesn't, I talk to other artists and they have different ideas about it, but they all artists talk about it. It's easy for me to start. It's easy for me to edit in, when I paint, but it's very, the, the most anxious part is to know that has it, is it done? Because if you overdo it, you destroy it basically. And that's, it's good. It's gone. We're writing. <laughs> um, it's easier to finish it. Um, and you can correct, you can go back. It's much difficult with painting to do that, but but with writing, of course, for me again, it's it's hard to start, and that makes it a, mm-hmm. um, 
So um, this one, in a way, I, I it took it took, oh here it is. This is it shows that breakage that I was talking about. Right. You know, I I could have continued painting, and and I'm glad I did not. And that's why sometimes when people say to me, "How long does painting take?" and I, and the question makes the assumption that it's about the amount of time you paint, you know, that you dedicate mm -hmm. to the painting. But the fact is, like in writing, and you you write a lot, you know, you're always thinking about the writing. You're you're you know, you see something, you read something, say, oh, this stuff, you know, makes it. So painting can take months, um, even though maybe the act of painting it takes maybe sometimes half an hour or 20 minutes or an hour or whatever. And, you know, but you go back and paint again. And this one I had to some point stop because I, when I'm like, what I like about this painting is that it feels that it's like layers. It's like when you fly on a plane, right? I love to look outside and you see this you know, the clouds and you see then other clouds more at bottom and there is this sense that you're flying. And this one, in some way, you you see that white, gray kind of thing looks like clouds. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, and then there's a breakage at the bottom. You see the ocean. When, it's like when you're flying on the ocean. And then there's this break, break up, these breaking things that are seen at the top, which is kind of weird. But um, again, it... It abstract painting allows you for that play with, with the different dimensions. And if I had continued painting, I would have lost that. So, yeah, this is a detail. What I would say is my last, um, painting related to, to the pandemic. And it, I mean, I have other things, but, um, but this one was really hard to do, uh, because you know, I, I wrote numbers. I started with number one and then went on and on with different kinds of pencils, graphites, different dimensions and stuff. And what I first did was to paint what it would represent the Chilean territory. Again, same thing as this. And it was basically looking at the north um, more than the south with, you know, the desert, which for me is one of the most amazing places in the world, the Atacama Desert. And so let me show you, because I did, this one is when I was painting it, so it has faces, but if you let me share my screen, I can show you this painting in two ways. Let me see where it is, but before you... Yeah, I have it here in front of me. So I'll show you the full painting first, and then I'm going to show you the painting in an installation so you can see, because it allows you to... Let me see, share screen, share screen. Okay, let me go. Oh, um, says that, okay. Window, wait, 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 wait. There's something weird. Okay, there we go. Here it goes, uh, preview. Hmm. I don't know if you were gonna be able to see it. Oh, it's just something with the system preferences. What, 
while you're it, it some yeah, takes, yeah. takes a second if you can figure out how to how to do it um just go into that share screen and then it'll give you an option to either share from your desktop or from a tab um or from a file yeah let me remind um, you that you're listening to covid calls and i'm talking today with gonzalo bascalupe about the quarantine series, which is artwork, which is now featured on the COVID calls website, covidcalls.com, covid-calls.com or at covidcalls.net. And if you go into the site and you can see lots of things on the site, including COVID calls episodes going all the way back to COVID calls number one in audio, video, and in transcript and also, we are hosting artwork, and so you can go into works and you will find this remarkable grouping of paintings that Gonzalo has been talking about and sharing. Any any success with the screen share there? No, what I'm gonna just what I'm gonna just do, Scott, is I'm gonna just send it to you. And then if you can if you want to share, that's fine. Um send it to you via email right now. Um as we speak, uh, it's much easier for me to do so right now. So there's one here. I already sent it to you right now. I'll send you one um, if you can share this. So this painting um, that um, you were seeing a piece, um, it's, 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 it's larger than the ones that I just shown. Um, it's on paper. Um, and it uses mixed media. So in the, in the first, Part I did use um, watercolors and acrylic, and I used some of the postcards to actually stamp elements in this big piece to create this map of the Chilean territory. Um, and then I, I I had this idea in my mind about how I was going to do it. I mean, sometimes with abstract painting you start, and then you you know this one I had a sort of. A, very good sense of what I wanted to do, and it was basically I wanted to um, show the the to to, to um, be able to move us beyond the the quantities, the epidata, you know, um, and to think of each individual in those thousands that die as individuals as uh, folks who have a story. So I started to draw the numbers from one. And I wanted to get, at that point, there were like 11,000 people have died in Chile or something like that. But when I got to the number, I don't know, close to 5,000 or somewhere there, I couldn't continue. It was just too painful. Um, so I stopped writing the numbers and I finished the painting. I, I then added some layers of paint and, you know, I, some things that I wanted to do. But um, so you see you, the bottom would be basically closer to the ocean. And then at the top, it would be closer to the Andes, Andes mountains. Um, the Chile is very long, but in the north part is where it's the wider part. And so it, it intends to reflect the colors of the desert. Um, and it intends to see the enormity of the, um, the tragedy that we have just lived and to honor those who have died because in some way, at least in Chile, in many countries, the numbers were, you know, distorted 
we never recognize the enormity of the death. So um, I I send this um, I you know I participate in a call for an exhibition at the Boston Convention Center. Um, there was going to be a health conference, and they were going to have six paintings reproduce and put in these large frames inside the convention center doing this health conference, this large health conference, and also to reproduce in larger pieces, in like big pieces of canvas outside hanging in the convention center. So for a week, less than a week, um, there was this exit, ex exhibit. And it was really, I, I, um, so people would walk by and talk and mine was at the entrance. So it's, it's, you couldn't miss it. Um, and it, 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 um, I think it, I was able to capture the, the, what I, you know, I was, I was able to transmit something that it was in my mind and people kind of like approach it. And then first it was like, oh, interesting painting. And then when they realized what it was, they, they had to take the time to reflect and think about it. And this was a typical health collaborative kind of conference where there's a lot of technological stuff, you know, e-health stuff. And so these are details. And when I was doing this, one of the things that I did was also see some numbers get start to get dissolved into the, and, and it, it's part of that thing about how you know, people die, they go, some stay in our mind, some go, you lose memory. I mean, it, it intends to, um, numbers are not, are, have different means. And that's what I wanted to, to have in that thing. And, you know, and, um, it was hard. It, this was a really, really, really difficult, um, painting, um, and, you know, I have not been able to let it go because, you know, sometimes people want to buy stuff and this one is still <laughs> holding yeah. up. To, I think it's the go, actually. But yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And I want to ask you, I mean, because I've worked pretty closely over the last couple of years with um, STS scholar Jackie Vernemont, who's also an artist. And I someday I dream to get you both together to talk about mm -hmm. your artwork. She works with textiles a lot. and uh, But the way you're describing the inscription is really important. And we we are awash in numbers. And, right. and I think, you know, as I've always prepared COVID call scripts, I'm typing the numbers in for different countries and sometimes felt like, and it's going to sound strange, I think, to some listeners, but just the typing of the number was, was I didn't. I just didn't like doing it. I mean, it's just like I'm in, I'm just key. It's yeah. just a keystroke. But that sort of going from day to day as those numbers grew, when yeah. you were, it was. But I never I never wrote them out longhand, and I certainly never tried to write them on a canvas right. or paint them. And I wonder about that for you. You said that work has been too hard to. Yeah. To get rid of, but I wonder also, was there some catharsis or is there some catharsis in the inscription of the number? You, these are not names. These are numbers, but you're still right. writing them with the hand. Right. You know, it's interesting because I, um, you know, um, I, when when the pandemic started and when in Chile we had, I, I began writing them 
the, the, the reports of the number of people who have been, um, con you know, with the contagion. So there were three and then the next day, 12. And, you know, I wrote them. I still have those pieces of paper where I wrote it down. Numbers, this was when we were counting the pandemic. This is March of 2020. Um, so I have at some point you stop because they're just, just the numbers were so I started using I write you know I started to analyze them and I did not I was not one of those who uh, did you know other f colleagues of mine were doing all the using the Excel and Stata and all the analysis and using Epi and Biostats stuff like that and I wasn't so I but at some point so I thought. But this one was, I mean, for me, was more of an exercise of honoring that um, that I did it. It's there. I documented this, and I and I and I've been one of those who, from the day one, um, I've been advocating. It's been it's been one of my struggles and fights until today. Still, um, to really tell the truth. How many people have really died? In fact, two weeks and a half ago, the new government here finally gave the, the real number. It was, you know, a closer number to what it is because the previous government always reduced it around 20% because, because they didn't consider the ones with the exam, the, the ones that they called them suspected, uh, you know. Uh, it's, it's, and so, um, uh, you know, um, I have realized that I that I, I'm one of those who really think that the truth, even though it's painful, it helps us to deal with trauma and it, it just will not allow us to just dissociate, you know. Uh, and and that that it's important to grieve and to to acknowledge it. Um, uh, I, yeah. And, let me and, ask and, you. And, yeah. Let me ask you though, because. Um, and you and I have talked about this before, so I think it's okay to ask you yeah. about Chile's history. I mean, right. the struggle over names and numbers coming out of the Pinochet, the crimes right. of the Pinochet era, right. is this is this is not a discussion that is past. Right. And so I wonder for you, you know, this act. I mean, first of all, are, are, are you still grappling with with that? I mean, as you find yourself writing the numbers and right. trying to bring them to life in in yeah. ways that I mean, you're bringing in this important ways, you're bringing these deaths into a, a sort of broader conversation about life and change um, and mutation through the work. But I mean, are you also is that also? Are these also the crimes? I mean, is this also in conversation with Pinochet or no? These are separate events in your mind. For me, they are. I mean, two things. I do think that it's a crime that we let so many people die. I mean, some people tell me no. I do think that it's a violation of the human rights that, you know, that having so many yeah. people dying. I agree. It's a violation of people's rights. Yeah. I mean, yes, we will have, which we, we were going to have people dying. But I think the, the enormity could have been prevented. If those were by choice. And then in that sense, I think it's a violation of the human rights of people. And we will see that later on and be recognized. But I think that, you know, I, when I, I mentioned this painting, I, I was drawn to paint the, the desert 
and not the rest of the country. And because there's particular meaning to the disappearance of people in the desert, buried, decapitated, burned, and finally disappear. And, you know, and there's still relatives, women in particular, daughters, mothers, and organizations who st still look for bones. Yeah. yeah. So uh, in the desert. And so, yes, of course. And, and I, you know, um, there's this very good movie, the documentary about, uh, you know, this name flies now, but director that, that a lot of documentaries about Chile in the last 50 years. And there's one in which he connects the search for these bones by these women with the search by the astronomers of these distant stars, which, as you know, the, the, the largest telescopes are in the Chilean desert uh, and in the ALMA project, you know, it's famous where all these astronomers are, you know, um, looking for the stars. So, so yes, of course. And um, I cannot not think about that. Um, you know, the, the, as I, we, we spoke about probably this in the program, but, you know, my mother died a uh, year and a half ago. That she died in September 2020 at a time when, you know, there's a lot of quarantine. It was very hard, you know, for months. You couldn't visit her or touch her or be close because you were, you were afraid of, you know, that you could bring COVID to her. She was in a very fragile state. She died and... and and you know she was ill it, it was not COVID but I think that the isolation did not help and then not being able to bury her appropriately and um, because there were limitations about how many people could attend and all you know all that whole thing it you know there there's a way in which I think that death is um, is the only certainty we have we're going to die um, but the denial of death is an operation of power. Um, it's, 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 it's an operation of our whatever. It's not just neoliberal. I think it's more, more than that. Uh, it's, you know, there's a way in which not acknowledging death is detrimental to our health, um, in the, in, in the long run, in the end. So, so I think that I would, I, for me, this is, I'm honoring and it feels like a, it, it is in some way uh, a relief. And in fact, I haven't written a lot about this. I mean, I read an article, an article too, but you know, in other years I've written much more academically because I think that I feel like I want to get to the essential. And of course <laughs> that's hard. And I think with this painting, I did get to, at least one specifically essential, and that is recognizing that each person in those of those six millions that have died, over six millions that have died, it's not just an individual, it's a story, it's a family, it's, it's a whole world that went, you know? Um, Let, let's, uh, let me just, first of all, just um, sorry about your loss and your yeah. mom, and thank you for talking about it. And, um, it's terrible to have it in this context, as you said, when it's hard to, you can't be with people. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah. you know how many guests I've talked to on COVID calls who've shared either when I asked them or they just offered it, that there was a funeral they were supposed to go to, maybe not even a very close family member, not a parent, right. um, but that they'd been denied that uh, it, that ability to do so. And they're still, right. the fact that they mention it on a podcast yeah. like a year later tells me they're still grappling with it. If I'm not a person yeah. they know well, and this is like a chance one hour on a podcast and they want to talk about it, that means there's something really serious out there in the land that people are coping with right now. Right, right, right. And, and you know, and we moved to even funerals that had a digital, you know, I, I know that my, my mom was video so people watch the video and it was recorded. I, I, I haven't been able to see it. I mean, a year and a half after, um, you know, and I give the you know, major eulogy and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of having, I think, given her, a, a, you know, dignity in her death and, you know, and that she was in control in some way. But I, I do think that I, I, you know, I see, I, I want to help get multiplied, you know, it's, it's multiplied by millions of people and those millions of people with other millions of people that are so, and then, and then this have to, that we need to fight for that recognition. I find it really, and that's the connection with some of what the atrocities that happened in the dictatorship. This is different, but I think that this, the sentiment is going to stay, stay with us. And in my explain, and this is for another program, some of the violence and trauma that we see these days. You know, this painting is interesting because you see that this, many of these, they're, they're different kinds of this, some that are more like, I think that were left, but this one you see that, that lung experience that you're talking about right. uh, in here. You know, these ones are they 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 say I'm a cell, I'm a drop, I'm blood, I'm you know, and 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 that's what that is. Um, um, and they belong to that moment. I don't. It's one of those things that I think I'm never going to paint something like this again. <laughs> there's one or two that I think I'll paint, but there's others that are just they're going to. They're they're just such an expression of the moment of that quarantine, you know, and trying to make sense. You know, we're all trying to make. I mean, look at this. I mean, this one looks. It could be a cell. It could be, but it could also be space. You know, it could be that that systemic thing of how, you know, but there is that again that connecting um, yeah. element. It's very cellular. And these are the ones when I was first looking at these, when you shared these with me, I just fell out of my chair when I saw these. <laughs> so yeah. They, yeah. they brought together for me, because I'm not a person who can create in the way that you do, um, they did a lot for me. They helped me see some things. And, and we yeah. had been really inundated with COVID visualizations. Right, uh, right. But right. not enough COVID visualizations like these that brought a variety of colors and form. This is obviously, I mean, this is a COVID painting. I mean, I just feel that even yeah, they, they are, they yeah. are, really, they are. Yeah, this one, oh. this one though is, you know, this one. It you see, compare this one with the previous one. I mean, the previous one is is COVID painting and is breakages and is is chaotic and it's explosive and it's all those things but you see the next one it has two colors that are pure hope for me gold and blue hmm. 
and uh, it's like it's like wow. I mean, this one's. I hope I can pay more of that. I mean that there is that that power of of hope uh, in this. So there's some of these, not many, but that there's another one that is like a yeah. Like a, and I wonder this one too. In terms of technique, the the raised part which some people might see a mountain ridge from above i see as i said earlier i see the branching of a circulatory yeah. system yeah. or a breathing system how do you if you don't mind me asking how do you accomplish that effect uh well there's several things i um, mean well first you know i'm using spatula oh this one i have to talk about that one. there's spatula um and so there's this sort of like a thing that you do with the spatula that that moves the paint in the way that is there on the one hand there's also you the use of some acrylic material that doesn't have any color that you don't see there hmm. that allows for that volume on the on the other hand and also is the mixing of that with watercolors um that you can hardly see but it, it adds um a sense of perspective like if 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 you see at the top top yeah those there's this light blue and stuff right. so that, that is not that so the, the 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 very dark blue is is acrylic but the light one is it's watercolor and in the middle there's a mix there's something that allows for it's like gesso but it's not gesso um that allows for that sense so so th that play allows generates that, that 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 effect um sometimes i i i did not use brushes in many of these paints so i use objects uh you know i use a credit card <laughs> that i cut in certain ways um it has it has a, it's the beauty of it i mean it has a lot of playing with it um mm. one of the things i have to say is that you know i share with you most of them that there's I didn't uh, throw any. I mean, they're not, they're very few that I discarded. That's what I'm going to say. Very few. I, there's some that I discarded because I felt that they were dirty. They did. They, they were not, they felt like as if you were just throwing paint in it. But in general, they're all pretty um, uniquely, I mean, here it comes. Okay. So this one, so th there's several, this, this is, this is using, uh, I'm not using watercolor here. It's just acrylic and also um, like Crayola, but professional Crayola. Um, and I I was practicing using just black and white here. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it intends to be like, um, um, like I'm telling you that there was something here that is not anymore. That's the, the theme of this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that time when I did these things, we were not talking about long COVID. Right. Right. And for me, this is a little bit of the, the certainty and the not knowing of what post-COVID is. Because there, there's something that is so like there, but you don't know what it is. Um, and it looks like an X-ray, but it's not an X-ray. You know, it's, it's so... It, this one, like most abstract, uh, anyway, 
it's about making sense, but you don't necessarily, you know, some, some folks, you know, if you go to MoMA or you go to an art, you know, um, contemporary art museum, you know, the, from my perspective, the worst way to um, approach a museum if you only have a few hours and not several days is to try to, to see too much in two or three hours rather than just entering and if you find something that is interesting, just stay there for a while. And the experiences, and, and that's the reason there are seats in many places right, right. with large paintings, yeah. is because it's like watching a movie. It's, you see it, you see it, and you see more and more things. And, and, you know, when I'm painting, I also have to do that. I have to see it for a while, not do much intervention, then decide if I wear how I want to intervene. So this one didn't have much black, but it has much had more white. And I would have seen, I said, no, this is not clear. So I start to add layers of black because this is just black and white and the gray. It's all, you know, it's, there's no, I'm not using gray as a color here. In some other paintings I do, and this one is just playing with black and white. Hmm. The, what you're saying about <laughs> seeing, I mean, there's a, First of all, if you're in an art museum and you're always, if you're in the Rothko room, if there's a Rothko. And yeah, you know, I mean, I saw a whole Rothko on the Guggenheim once. You, 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 and you watch people come in and they spend five seconds with Rothko and then they leave. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think, no, but wait, you want to grab them. You'd be like, no, there's a whole thing. If you just watch 60 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, yeah. And, and then ask you, what color do you see? And then just watch it for 60, like you described it, like a movie. It's, it's, it's cinematic. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And I really appreciate your description of of this as a way to think about what's coming next with COVID. Mm -hmm. That it will, as we were talking earlier, that it's it's many different pandemics depending on where you are, and it's been moving through time. And people have often mm -hmm. marked that out through numbers, as we were talking about earlier. But it needs to be also marked out by emotions and by the accretion of memory. And by experiences lost, things that are much harder to quantify. And to me, this painting helps with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because if you see this painting, you could see it as someone step on the ground, but it also you could be seen as a sculpture. That's how having, I saw it. It has having a form and it's almost like a face. It's, you know, and you can see different faces. I mean, if you look and look at this, you see eyes and you see nose and you see a face front but also you could see one from the other side so and you know it's it's um it's an emotional one if you start seeing sort of like a a child somehow or you know a monkey uh you know those those so so you know the 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 um yeah i, I it and here is where art and, and understanding the human experience is so important because in a way with post-COVID, you know, it's, it's not going to be, and, you know, we're not going to be able to analyze this from one perspective and there's not going to be a definite answer. Um, you know, this one is that one, that one is those three ones. That it's also, you know, I love this and I hope to continue experimenting with this more. You know, these are like fingerprints. Um, right. This is the other part of the piece. And it's not my finger, by the way. Um, 
at it, you know, and this is so, so, so in the same way, um, one of the, because these ones are inspired, not in fingers, they're inspired in those, there's these trees that when they dry, they, they, they're like, they're, they're like a little thing from a tree and this one's like some leaves mm -hmm. where I got the inspiration for the color here from the autumn color. Um, but this one is again, the stamping of something for me is really could be, became three fingers and, and, and so like you're leaving something there. Um, and that is so fragile. These are very fragile. I mean, if you think about it, they're very fragile pieces. They're not like others that are potent and power. Even some of these ones I showed you earlier that have this tremendous potency. These ones are like fragile. Yeah. I'm just going to come to the yeah a few more of these, and we've got about ten minutes yeah. left. So it's okay. stop me at any point. But I wanted to make sure that we get to yeah. The, um, so so yeah yeah so we'll go back here because one here yeah here so this one um it's you know so so I'll tell you a story about that color so there there's a very there's a national here um you know this guy's like 85 he's he's a maybe it's, he's 90 I, I, he's really um someone who's been around he's, a, he's an artist an abstract artist who i have learned a lot from and i had the 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 privilege of meeting him i don't know um seven years ago or something and and i asked and i you know i visit him and i learn from him and he has been very supportive of my work you know i'm just i have begun this as an adult so i'm, I'm sort of really just learning and but he when so sometimes you know when I used to go back and forth in the United States, I say, "Do you need something?" Um, so if particular some pigment or some paint, and then, and for me it was so he will ask me something, and he asked me for that color. I don't know exactly like the name, particular tonality, and it's a very hard color to paint with. I have so when he asked me to bring him that color, that I piece of acrylic um, paint that I had to go to a particular store and, and all that, um, which is the part that I like because I sort of like get instructions from a master. From master. Sure. Uh, and so now I can go and talk to the owner of the store and ask for it. And I said, someone asked you for this. I mean, and, and then I buy some for me. So, so I, I had not used it and I used it in this paint and it's a very powerful red it's sort of like a revolutionary red, if you think about it. And combined with the black, it's very, you know, it's almost exploding. It's not blood in the in the health sense. It's blood in the sense, in the revolutionary sense of blood. Um, and maybe one of the reasons this guy, this Guillermo Nunez is his name, paints away. You know, he's a revolutionary. He 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 live in exile for a long time. He's just an incredible guy. And maybe that's why he paints with that color. He can do it. I feel like I, you know, I have respect for the color. <laughs> right. But but somehow, you know, I, I did a few pieces with the color to because 
for us and in many countries, that's also true. We were not just dealing with the uncertainty of the pandemic. We were dealing with our own sort of like revolutionary moment, transformative moment. Um, and, you know, so there's some of that too. And the pandemic, all it did was to generate, for obvious reasons, um, um, you know, uh, limit the possibility of expressing and, and to do changes, social changes, because you need to be with people. You need to be in the street. You need to, whatever, life to go on. So that's that painting about, there's a few of those, yeah, that have that um, that element that there it is again, you know, and this one combines with the other things. Um, right. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, living a, living a legacy also this a lot of these paintings as you see they this one is from the series from your this is the one that we use you use for covid calls yeah this is the original painting um the one of the i think one of the things about these postcards is their their inscriptions you know they are um and some look you know i'll show you this one it's somewhere in there, but this one, if you see it, it has some luminous luminosity in it. It's hard to see. It's, it's, it's a, this a little, um, and again, you know, before we went on, before we went officially in the program, we were discussing this, how we were doing, and you know, it's the pandemic is a lesson of. Uncertainty after certainty after certainty. When you think you understand what's going on, you realize things are not the way they were supposed to be. It's sort of like, and and um, at the same time, there's there's always this piece of um, there's a light somewhere, you know, some 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 luminosity that you could look at. And here again, this this violet color and there's that gold that is telling you you know we can we will survive we will do something but it's also dangerous yeah let's see what others you have there yeah um this one i'll just keep moving but i this now let me just go back for a second i mean this yeah. to me um i can't think about COVID calls without seeing this <laughs> Yeah, and, and in fact, it's become the color palette and the yeah. sort of it's given a look to something which is fundamentally about words, pass about conversation. Yeah, um, in passing, and um, you know, I mean, I should have said this from the top, but I mean, just thank you for making this work, and thank you for making this one. Mm -hmm. It has come back to me so many different times throughout all this that. We just don't have enough tools to make sense of in, of enormity, of loss, of grief, and um, that's why I've really loved talking with you know musicians and mm -hmm. and artists of all different kinds and historians who are trying to get outside of the confines yeah. that we have professionalized ourselves in into and yeah. it's you know writing. Yeah, but it's not. But 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 also at the same time, Scott, it's not just loss and grief or ambiguous loss, as Pauline Boss talks about it. She's published a book about this. Yeah. The, but it, you know, in this one, maybe we we were not conscious when we decided on this one. 
again, that goal is sort of like coming out of it. Yeah, there's some hope there. That's and that there's the hope. And and I think, yep. I mean, it's, well, you have your program that is a lot about that, creating a network of people. You know, it's the same thing that happened to me. I mean, I met for the first time after two years, one of the two networks that I have participated is called COVID-19 Chile. Uh, where there are people from all over the country, some very far. <laughs> but we had lunch last week at a restaurant for the first time. So we met in person. It was like, and, you know, um, time just flew. We, we, um, we didn't talk about this, the numbers or this or that. It was just, no. just talk, chat. And it was amazing. I mean, it, and I have to say, for some of us, we had the opportunity to create networks to withstand this thing. Um, and I think that that's, that's a lesson, again, that collaboration um, and keeping yourself grounded in what matters, it's still a good recipe in, 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 in perilous times as this one's. So people should check out the full quarantine series on the COVID calls website, covid-calls.com or covidcalls.net. And are these, are you selling these? Yes. You, yes, I am. I am. I am selling this some, and I actually am bringing some for to the U.S. next week. Um, How should people reach you if they go to They the can series? email me, they can, which is my last name at gmail.com. Okay. Or they can contact me via Twitter which is another way of connecting. It's easy to find me. Okay. And you can go to my website um, and, and email me through this email that is easier to find, which is basicalupe at Gmail. The website has some of the art. It has not been updated. I haven't had time to update everything. You know, the next stage of this thing. Oh, the other thing, you know, we, the other stage, we publish a book, which um, oh. we didn't talk about and talk about another time, where Latinx arts, artists in the greater Boston area. Last year, we did, a, we, we did a call for art and we published a book. Let me show you the book, um, which is called Memories of COVID-19, the Latinx Greater Boston Art Project. And it has a couple of my paintings. In fact, the, the back is the one that we're discussing. And then we have another one that I didn't we didn't discuss today um, that is later and it was in an exhibit at the with the Brick Bottom Artist Collaborative in in, in in Somerville, which is you know part of the quarantine series, but it's a larger painting um, and mm. it's called Virus. <laughs> and um, one of the things about this again, it was it developed a network of folks who were isolated who did amazing, you know, uh, pieces of work. I mean, you know, um, related to, I mean, the cover, when we, when we received this painting, we knew that this was going to be uh, the cover. And, you know, they were yeah. all sort of, you know, people send videos, they send poems, they, and we, you know, we put them in the, in the book, and here you like this because you talk about the lungs. Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and um, so, you know, I, it's, you know, I guess some of us have that thing when something happens, we have to do something, and we try. 
<laughs> That's one way to put it. I think you've done more than something. You've done you've done a lot. I mean, Richard could do more, but yeah. But the sharing um, of these works and and now I'm I, you know we've had this conversation and now I'm going to take this conversation yeah. and turn it into a Q and A, which will live on our site and that we can then attach Great. some of that description in detail, including the meaning and the technique and yeah. your who what you were doing. Yeah. grappling with as you made the pieces um that will all be that's another layer yeah it's uh, you know i i have to also say i mean for those of you who are listening and, and probably a lot of the folks who are listening have tremendous um achievements in different areas and many people and including myself had the idea of painting for a long time i thought about painting and i never did it i never because the message you get as a kid and you know oh, that's not i'm saying that right. you you're not gonna live with that oh yeah, that's not good whatever and i had to have an accident <laughs> very bad one breaking my shoulder so to start painting because i had some time and and the energy whatever and i needed to do something with it but what i'm trying to say is um it's Painting is something that you can just start doing and you, I mean, um, and the only thing you need to do is other artists are always interested in talking about their art, um, and they're very giving and, and, and people like to talk about materiality. I mean, and, um, and I think that the older you are, um, you know, you have more to, to express and, not always writing is the, I mean, it could be music, it could be dance, it could be all kinds of things, but that these expressive pieces uh, um, just start to emerge because you have, it's there for you to express it, you know. Um, and, you know, it's it's quite, it's, 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 it opens up a whole world, I guess, um, which I think it's important for those of us who, basically have been training the more cognitive um lineal way of presenting ourselves when we teach or do research or whatever well let me just thank you for taking time with these and remind folks you've been listening to covid calls episode number 501 and encourage everybody to go to the website the digital archive for covid calls and check out this work and then all of the other things that are there and we'll keep building the website as we go, uh, Gonzalo, hang out for just a minute after I close the call. And yeah. we can and thank you, Scott. Julie, and uh, thank you. And stay healthy, everybody. And we'll see you next time on COVID Calls.